I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Ladies and gentlemen, today on An Actor Despairs, we have truly an artist through and through to the core, actor, director, writer, filmmaker, Mark Weber. You know Mark Weber from projects like Scott Pilgrim, Green Room, but he's also directed five films, and we're here to talk about his film, The Place of No Words, which I had the immense pleasure of seeing at Tribeca. It's an incredible film. He's an incredible filmmaker. I highly recommend you look up all the films that he's written and directed. They've really changed my perception of what filmmaking is. I love you, Mark. Here it is. Mark Weber, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing, brother? I'm great, man. Happy to be here. Man, I am such a big fan of yours. I, I don't say this often, and it's a reoccurring theme on this podcast, but the difference between good acting and great acting is that there's no other actor in the world that could have played the kind of style and the characters I've seen you done in like Green Book, Scott Pilgrim, and then your filmmaking style is like one of the most unique. And that's so rare today to like create your own style of filmmaking. I have so much respect for it. And I've seen all your films and I love it. And each one's kind of been a really cool evolution off the next one. And we're here to talk about the newest one, The Place of No Words, which I had the immense honor of seeing. I guess that was Tribeca 2018. Was that when you uh, got? 19. 19. 19. 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't even remember when the world ended at this point. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, it was, it was amazing. And I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. But dude, before we dig into to all of it, let's start at the beginning. You were born in Minnesota and then moved to Philly? Yeah, well, hey man, first of all, thanks, dude. I appreciate those those compliments. And I mean I, every word of it. I, I feel that, man. That's really cool. I, I mean, as you know, certainly why we do what we do, we hope to connect with people and hope people find the work and feel the work. And, and so I appreciate it, man. I appreciate talking with you today. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I should say, you know, for the viewers, I, everyone make sure to go see The End of Love, The Ever After, Place with No Words, and the first one, what's, I'm um, sorry. It's uh, Explicit Ills. The Explicit Ills, yes. So everyone will understand more, but you have a really unique style of filmmaking. 
And I, I, the reason I say this is I feel like I know you in a lot of way because sometimes you play a character named Mark, who's yeah. like a, an amalgamation yeah. of, of yourself in, in fiction, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been doing, I, I, I really, I say like I found my voice with my second film, The End of Love, that I made with my son Isaac when he was two. Yeah. He's 12 now. And we premiered that film back in 2012 at Sundance, which was a really, it was a really awesome kind of pinnacle year for me. Sundance has been huge for me throughout my career, just as an yeah. actor and going up there and watching films and meeting other filmmakers and other actors and producers. That festival has just meant so much to me. So to be there in 2012 with a film that I wrote and directed in narrative competition. Yeah along with another film that I starred in that was in narrative competition. And then I had another one that was just premiering there. Oh, but, you were crushing it, dude. You're hitting up I had my parties I, tonight. <laughs> I, peaked, I peaked, my Sundance experience peaked in 2012. That's amazing, man. I, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of fucked up though. Let's, let's get there. Let's let people yeah. get to know you. So talk yeah. to me. You, you were born in Minnesota, then you went to Philly. Yeah, born in Minnesota. I was born in Minneapolis and then had a very interesting, challenging childhood, man. Really, really, I grew up in extreme poverty. I was born to a single parent, teenage mom, had me when she was 16. Lived in her car for like the first year of my life. She was escaping an abusive situation at home. Met yeah. my father in a halfway house who was a heroin junkie. Wow. So I had all these like, you know, all, all the ingredients to just be, uh, create a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, it worked out the opposite. My mom just developed this really incredible strength, compassion, empathy, a sense of responsibility for the world and other people. Yeah. And started to bestow these values and morals on me at, at a young age. And it, it really helped me you know start to succeed and in, in work within the industry just because i had experienced kind of like rock bottom yeah um, very young so she was yeah. your buoy in some ways you know even yeah. throughout all that chaos she yeah. kept you afloat and maintained you so talk to me where did the the artistry path start to open up to you because i imagine all those things you're going through i could see how they could manifest in that but you got i mean you you did like snow day you've been in the business a really long time yeah you know i look it started my desire my wanting to be an actor was really i just i wanted to be a movie star and i wanted to be well known uh, i wanted to be famous i wanted people to like me right yeah. so it was like to fill this void in a way and it was also a form of escapism and a coping mechanism because yeah. I would develop characters. I would pretend to be other people. I was a little hustler, you know, when I was a kid, Yeah, I was just making shit up. I didn't want people to know that I was poor. I didn't want people to know that I was homeless. So I was performing a lot of the time. And yeah. so I had this, you know, I look back on it now and I was developing a natural ability to shape shift and be a different person. But as an adult now, I see that I, it was in response to a trauma that I was experiencing, you know? Yeah. So it was a little bit funky, you know? I had to go, as I became a teenager and in my early 20s when I first started working in the industry, I had to go in and do some hardcore emotional work, you know, because yeah. 
you know, that classic thing happens like, oh shit, my dreams have come true. Yeah. I'm an actor now. I, I got a little bit of money. Um, I got a little bit of attention. Why am I still sad? Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it did. It, the things that you think are going to fill you up end up making you feel just as hollow and vapid as you yeah. did before. Yeah, completely. completely. Yeah. And so yeah. how did you start to align yourself with that path? Did you enroll in, in acting classes? Like, did you tell your mother that I, I really want to do this acting thing? Was she supportive? Yeah, that's the, that, was the, that was the amazing thing about having such a young mom. And a mom who had just been through so much shit in her life, she was always encouraging. You know, really wasn't the type of parent to suggest that I have like a fallback plan. You know, she was all about like, oh yeah, you're going to be an actor. You want to do that? Just set some goals, believe in yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not going to happen and it'll happen. So it's amazing. It was amazing. And her support allowed me to never really allow in much doubt or yeah. fear that I wasn't ever going to be doing anything other than that. So yeah. And she, my mom is a really creative person. You know, we would write little plays together. We would perform together. I then uh, got into a performing arts high school later on, you know, we came from Minnesota, we went to Philadelphia and I got into this performing arts high school and that was huge for me because then I started to get some, I had a drama teacher there who was really encouraging, really amazing, yeah. really challenging and started to have classes, you know, and, and build a foundation. Yeah. Of like, yeah. Yeah. That's, all, that's awesome, man. And then how did you being in Philly, you know, I know, I think you're maybe just a little bit older than me, but like, you know, M night and those people were the Philly filmmakers at that time. Like what was, was New York your path to acting at that point? Yeah. New York was definitely at, at that point. It was funny. It was definitely East coast versus West coast in terms of industry mentality. Yeah. Right. So, you know, mid nineties, late nineties, it was like, if you were a, a New York actor, you, that was synonymous with like, theater yeah and, uh paul, paul giamatti philip seymour hoffman you know like that kind of thing yeah, yeah it was like it's yeah theater, it was like a little bit more it was like integrity yeah la at that time represented like oh go go shoot a pilot maybe end up on a a procedural television show or something yeah like that, you know or, or dawson's creek you know or those things or yeah yeah, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, WBCW, all that. I remember yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, and no, no judgment there, but my young, younger self did judge it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this theater thing. And New York was just culturally just so it's New York, it's so yeah. culturally rich, it's the melting pot of the world. I'm a city kid, I grew up on the streets. New York just felt like, you know what, if I can make it here, it's that, it's true. If you can make it in New York, you can really make it anywhere, right? Yeah. So, and my network and my friends and my people were there. So I started, I started doing theater and I started doing independent film. Wow. And I just got really, I, I got really lucky that the sequence of jobs and events that happened just led me to one great experience after another. And I, yeah. I got to work with, a lot of really great visionaries and directors who were writer directors who had a very strong point of view mm -hmm. and also held the same feelings that I felt in terms of integrity and doing what you feel and 
not really worried about being commercial, but just making yeah. art. And, and that really created a really solid foundation for me, you know? That's amazing. And, and that, you know, obviously I imagine led to representation, which led to bigger and bigger opportunities each time. Yeah. My, and- my story about how I got an agent was, it was like, it was a mixture of all those things that I was just talking about. This, this not having doubt, not having fear, not ever questioning it. Yeah. And I got kicked out of my performing arts high school. And it's because I just stopped showing up to all the other classes. Yeah. And I, I hung out with a graffiti crew in Philly. I started smoking weed and I was just like, I'm an actor. I'm going to learn my Shakespeare. I'm not yeah. these other things. I was a little bit of a radical in that way. And yeah. so they, they kicked me out of the school, but with my mom's support, she was like, Oh, you know, just, go and find a casting director, go and make it happen. And so I went into a local casting director's office in Philly, I'm 17 years old, uh, Mike Lemon casting. And I just like showed up and was like, Hey, I'm available. You guys. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> like, just so you know, if you're look, you know, if you're yeah. looking for a 17 year old, you know, skinny white guy, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm the, your man. And that, I think that's, fearlessness and a bit of, you know, quirkiness and being bold resonated with those folks. And they were like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. And there was a film called edge city that was being made about, you know, 17 year old uh, urban kids versus suburban kids in Philadelphia. And it was like, Oh, I'm, I'm this guy. Yeah. And I got that. I auditioned. I got that part, that film had a casting director named Susan Shopmaker. Oh, I know Susan Shopmaker. She cast the best. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. She, she actually didn't end up casting the film. She was going to, but she had an association with it. And the director of the film was like, oh, yeah, Mark, you need to go to New York. You got to meet Susan. I met Susan. Susan was like, you need to go meet Abby Bluestone, who was my agent at Innovative Artists. And it was literally within like, you know, 48 hours, I went from one meeting to another to another. And I walked into this agent's office with the same thing of like, yeah, the wide eyed, I I, I I got this. I'm ready for you to sign me. Yeah. Um, yeah. If only it still worked like that. <laughs> exactly. I'd be at CAA right now. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, all That's the it. agencies right now are like, they're internally, they're on fire, man. Our industry well, is you- just, is, is changing so rapidly, you know? Well, I think that's the reason I love you and your work so much is because I think the paradigm shift we're seeing is that for so long, we kind of did it in the dinosaur way. In the dinosaur way, I mean, it's like we went to studios or casting directors looking for jobs to give us them. Now they are out of content to make and they're just making IP guarantees, whereas yeah. now we have to create the content. And that's exactly. what you've been doing. You know, you've been, you've been bringing Hollywood to yourself and those are the people that are fucking untouchable. And that's yeah. why I have so much fucking respect for you because you know, you, you, yeah, you're doing things like Scott Pilgrim and green, you know, room, but you're fucking making your own shit happen. And that is an unstoppable force. Thank you, bro. Yeah. And I, I do, I, I do feel like that is the future and it, 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 it certainly, I'll say this, it certainly isn't any easier, Yeah. but it's deeply fulfilling. 
as you got these credits in the early 2000s and you were working, you know, it sounds like ultimately you ended up getting in a relationship, a serious one, and ended up having a child rather yeah. young. Yeah. And that, that, at what point did, is that when manifested the New York to LA transition? It know? is exactly when it happened. Wow. Um, we were, me and, and my son's mom at the time, we were living in Vinegar Hill in a, in a small place in Brooklyn. And I had this, you know, really romanticized version of being a, a New York dad, taking my kid on and off the subway. Yeah. And uh, man, I just woke up one day and something snapped and I was like sick of the train. I was sick of feeling boxed in. Yeah. And I had resisted going to LA uh, with the exception of like going out every now and then for auditions or projects. Yeah. 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 But I was like, you know what? I'm going to, let's go give this a shot. We'll have more space. I took what little money I had. I bought uh, a Prius. No. (laughs) So that's true. That Prius is the, is that the one? That Prius. I still got that Prius Prius is still my car. And that Prius is in, is at Toyota right now at the shop. It's been there for a week. They're telling me that I need a new battery pack. It might total the car. I'm oh, like, no, dude. <laughs> Rest in I peace. I was like, how many, what, you must have gotten 200,000 miles out of that car. Oh, close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So, yeah, I packed up all our stuff and we moved, we moved out here. What was that like, assimilating? I mean, I imagine, obviously, working in the business, you know, like Snow Day, like Emmanuel Shrieky was in there, and that was probably at the time where maybe was Entourage happening yet? I don't know. You know, but, like, I'm sure you had friends that were working. And L.A., that's why I stay in New York. In L.A., like, no matter how good or bad you're doing, you're constantly reminded in L.A. that it's not enough. You go down to Sunset, and there's your friend on a billboard. You know what I mean? And you're like... I'm a, I'm a, I'm a loser, you know? It's true. It is very, it's very in your face here. But I love LA. I, I do. I, yeah. But I just, dude, yeah. But it is, it is, it, it, the industry is, it's New York. There's plenty of other shit going on. You know, LA is very much an, an, an entertainment industry town. And you're yeah. right. If you are not working, you're very quickly reminded about everybody else who is. Yeah. And it's hard, man. This life of an artist, this acting life is hard. I know it's, you, have to, you have to have, I don't even want to say a thick skin. You just have to have a lot of self-love, man. Yeah. You got to really, you got to know your worth and you got to nurture yourself. You know, self-care is really important. And I think that that's why I started making my own films. It was a way of, of healing, man. It was a way of healing that actor side of myself that was constantly being told I wasn't good enough. I was getting lots of no's. Yeah. You know? Um, That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> I got an audition after this. Thing, you know, you're looking yeah. at everybody and you start being like, well, shit, if I, if I had gotten that or if I'd done that, maybe I would be where... Oh, yeah. The compare and despair right game, now, man. You yeah. know? And so creating my own films gave me also an opportunity to hire actors and crew and people that I respect and admire and just be like, here, here, I want to work with you because yeah. you do this great. You're not going to audition. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing this for you. I'm, I, I want to empower you because that's my ultimate fantasy. That's my dream. You know, I, I love just someone is like, Hey, I've been uh, working for the last six months on writing a role for you because I think you're great. Yeah. 
that's it. And, and, and you did that before. It was cool to do. I mean, this, your first film was like, what, 2007, 2008? Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. And, yeah, man. And I, 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 uh, I, you know, I've been fortunate that like also too, I met my wife who's also an actor who, it was interesting when we met, you know, Teresa, she was a celebrity, yeah. you know? Well, two, 237, I discovered her in that film. I love that film. When I, when I was in high school, that was like the indie movie of the year. That's so rad, man. Yeah. Like, and she, she, when we met, it was funny. It was like, we saw like, oh, okay, this can work because she was transitioning into wanting to like do meaningful work and not yeah. just be like hot girlfriend to the whatever. leading lady. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, you know, the, the girlfriend of so-and-so Adam like, Sandler. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we were like, you know, okay, great. And, and, but with where, where she was at, she provided, you know, she was, she's been the provider, you know, she's been working consistently within studio fair and things like that, where she had resources to help like supplement and keep us cool. Whereas it allowed me to continue to do the work that I'm doing. That doesn't make a lot of fucking money, man. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and that's you as an independent filmmaker and as an, as an artist nowadays, it's crazy, man. Like you got to, especially if you're going to go out and do your own thing, you got to really be doing it because you have something you want to say and something yeah. you want to share. And that's it. And that, and, and just hope that if you keep building it, they'll come, they'll yeah. find you. And when they do, you'll be ready to receive whatever that bigger blessing is and hopefully continue to level up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Well, this brings me back to, to what I want to talk about. So let's talk about the end of love and ever after briefly. Both are kind of like, I mean, more so the end of love is, is literally you as yourself. Right. But in a, with fictionalized events, seemingly, yeah. you yes. know, yeah. but that was you chronicling dealing with the moving on from the child, the mother of your first child. Yeah, right. Yeah, Which yeah. was beautiful. And I, someone who's been through breakups, I, I loved it. And you really kind of manifested the struggle there. Was that really something you were going through as being a, you know, a newborn father to a newborn and trying to audition and having chemistry tests and having this baby and all your friends? 100%. Wow. 100%. It was all, it was, and also part of the impetus was that like, I wanted to, I wanted to make a film where you see a dad really being a dad, you know, yeah. and it wasn't like the, like, the cutesy version of it of like, Ooh, I got poop on my face. I don't know how to change a diaper. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to, I wanted to put a single dad on screen and, and because I don't know, I just, I hadn't really seen it that much in the way that I wanted no. to. And, and what was beautiful in doing so, I, it, I, the, the people that have found that film, it really resonates with them. And I can't tell you how many single dads who are like, Hey dude, thank you. That was amazing. And like, that was why I made the film in so many ways, you know, yeah. but all the things that I make too are always some form of investigation of myself and, and different feeling states and, you know, uh, working things out. And, and I, I make movies to, hope people feel something and relate and connect in some way, you know? And after you had those first two under your belt, did you start to kind of realize like, 
fuck this audition thing. Like this is, this is the way that I can create the stuff that I want to be doing. You yeah. know, and it, it did that kind of open up that you pursuing that path more than yeah. just doing the traditional, Hey, when am I going to get that Paul Thomas Anderson movie? You know? Yeah, man. It, it, I, yes, it did. I, I think starting to make my own films and sitting, I've had, I've held a, a couple small little auditions and my auditions, I was very mindful of like, this is like a conversation. Like we're going to come, like, don't, I don't want anyone to come in here and feel like they got to prove themselves to me. If anything, I got to prove myself to you. If you're, if you want to work with me and, and let's just see if this is going to work. Right. Yeah. And that was in reaction to like all these fucked up bullshit auditions that are not, don't have anything really to do with finding someone who's great. Not at all. Nine times out of 10 in the way that this weird hierarchy and the way that things are set up, for instance, like a, like a pilot thing with like yeah. executives and all these people and on their phone and they don't give a shit. No. Weird like power play. Yeah. And, and, Auditioning, I think, can be one of the worst things, you know, you can do to an actor because it's the best version of whatever the chance to get to see someone is for now. You know, that's that's the fiction that we have. Yeah, yes, exactly. And I I I wanted I wanted to reinvent that. I wanted to redefine that for myself. And yes, I was also at a point where I've been growing increasingly more and more like, okay, if I'm going to audition for a thing, like, you know, please, please be a reader or a casting director who's going to be willing to work. A Susan Chopmaker, you know, yeah. Mally Finn, who's, who's, you know, rest in peace. She was, she was a, a huge casting director who you knew if you had an audition with Mally, like you had to be, you had to know your lines yeah. and you had to like look up and look in her eyes. Cause she's going to be working with you. You know, it's not going to be just this person who's like, let me see what you got. Yeah. You know, like, and just, and, and I don't know. It's just weird because they're, they're I, I guess if you're going to have an audition nowadays, if you're a filmmaker or a producer, you should do everything in your power to recreate the actual real working environment of what a set is like, mm-hmm. because that's you're actually setting up an opportunity to see what an actor is really capable of doing. Yeah. Because a lot of really talented actors that I know struggle in an audition environment because it's not the way you actually work on a no, set. No, no, not know? at all. And you can have immensely talented people go in there and bomb that are just bad auditioners, but that great is, actors, exactly. you know, like Benicio del Toro. I've heard that about him, you know, right. like, yeah, same thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious then, you know, so talk to me about ever after. So yeah. you, you have this relationship that ended and then this film's only about two years after the end of love. Right. Yeah. So yeah. then at, at this point, are you and, and, and Teresa, are you guys engaged yet or no? Yeah. We're, we are, we are, we got engaged all in the making of it. She was also pregnant with our first child. So I, I don't know, like that would, I, I don't know if like, I have so much respect for you because creatively, if I were in a relationship and I were exploring these dynamics, I don't know if like, that would either be the best thing or the worst thing that happened yeah. in my relationship. Like, what was that like putting it out there? It was so hard. Teresa's like, yeah, we, I'm like, oh my, I look back on it and I'm like, in, in the beginning of us just getting together, uh, about to have a child, 
why are we making a movie that's this fucking <laughs> dark? It's it's like, like, the heavy, I mean, trigger warning, literally, like the most yeah. intense rape scene I have ever seen in my life. Man. Yeah, and, I, and I'm like, <laughs> like my, one of my close friends is an amazing actor, and like, that, I know, I'm, I, every day on that film, I would wake up and be like, man, you guys created this. I almost I felt like she was like, you can, you can have the girls do the thing as long as you get raped after. And I basically, I would show up, and Teresa is so good at turning things on and off, whereas like, I'm so emotionally invested and I guess also directing too, like my mind is just like, I'm so in it. Yeah. And Teresa would just be mean to me as her character. And I, and we'd be finished for the day. And I was just like, are you actually really? Yeah. Well, where, where's the line? Like what's <laughs> happening? You know? Um, so it was, it was super challenging. And it's funny. I have this experience when I make a film, you know, things I act in, but certainly films that I make, like, I go through this period of like sitting and watching it with audiences and people for a really intense period of time. And then I kind of just let it go. Yeah. Um, and last year, this amazing festival in Poland played a retrospective of my work and they played no all, way. all five of my films and gave me like this independent icon award. And I was Did like, you get to go? I got to go. Oh, and that's amazing. Cause you know, yeah. the world now it's, you know, that's amazing, man. Yeah, man. You deserve all- that. I, I, w- I wish I could have been there because it was- I, mean, I, I love what you do. Thank You're an you. artist, man, and those those are rare today. It sucks yeah. that you know. So talk to me then when when you have this beautiful relationship and then you're doing really well. You, I mean, I, I don't want to gloss over because I'm sure the fans are going to want to know. Like outside of that, like doing something like Green Book and Scott Pilgrim, these like one that I guess both are sort of one studio indie and one's indie indie. Yeah, you know, like what was it like to be a part of, of those that were so successful? Oh man, well you know. Scott Pilgrim was amazing because it was, I've found myself in these really rare positions where yes, that is, that has the backing of a studio, a shit ton of money, but it's all to empower a singular vision. Yeah. And nobody was there telling Edgar what to do. Yeah. Nobody. Everyone was there to help see Edgar's vision come to light and then we just had the most amazing group of actors assembled and you know we're all still friends and we all knew like because also you look you know it's, it's been 10 years since the film has come out and you look at the movie now you don't look at that movie like it's like a studio film not right? at all it I was mean, i don't think it would get made today like i hate to say no. that yeah no it wouldn't it wouldn't no. have. and certainly not shot on film yeah you know? and and so we all kind of knew in a way that we're uh, maybe we're making a cult film here and yeah. I'm so used to that territory of feeling like, yeah, okay, cool. We might be a little ahead of the, the game here and people are going to discover this thing 10 years from now. And I'm fine with that. Right. Cause so much of my life has just been like that still currently still feeling like I'm building towards something in the second half of my life where people will put the pieces together and discover the work and it'll, it'll be a different conversation then, but I'm so happy um, still with this thing of almost like having something to prove at all times, you know, yeah, in a healthy totally way. Can. Green Room was same thing. I mean, same thing. Like, I mean, what one of Anton's last films or the last film, right? I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, hi, I'm yeah. rest in peace. You know, I love I Anton, and 
but, but I mean, you know, Imogen and, and Jeremy's an amazing director calling off Blue Ruin, you know, yeah. like what, what a hit that was. And, yeah. and dude, Patrick Stewart, like, well, what was that experience like shooting that movie? It was so, it was so phenomenal. We all knew that we were making something special. Jeremy being a DP himself, and then also having experience in, in makeup. And, and we, so we had the most amazing makeup artist on the film, uh, the most amazing production designer, another amazing DP, out, but our director, Jeremy, also being a visual yeah. guy in that way, was very, uh, it was like so on point. And just an amazing, you know, when you're making stuff that's so dark and intense, behind the scenes, it becomes really fun. Yeah, you, yeah, you have to, to kind of stay sane, you know? Yeah. Other, otherwise, it's, it's it's all bleak and... Exactly. Yeah. And, so and, we would all hang, we were all hang, you know, we'd hang out together. We would laugh in between the intense setups, you know? Like, yeah. I have the most amazing photographs of me and Anton, because Anton and I really connected on that film. We spent so much time together. Oh, man, I'm um, really sorry. Yeah, man, me too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it just like it was such a such a tragic uh, way to leave. Yeah, this this planet. And he, you know, it, he wasn't by any means done yet. You know, he was yeah. a very talented young guy who had just the biggest heart, and everyone who knew him just loved being around him. And so, you know, I have because my my head gets blown off in the movie. And yeah. so I had the most intense prosthetic of just like, the whole <laughs> that's amazing. Time my face is just like gone. Yeah. And uh, Anton's like wrapped in duct tape because, you know, all his wounds at this point. And we just have the most amazing like joking. Bro photo. Photo, <laughs> bro photos. It's like half of my head fucking decimated. And uh, yeah, I've, I've thought a few times about like, okay, when am I going to, what am I going to drop this on Instagram? Yeah, like, you need, cause, cause I, I went to Anton's so photo <laughs> exhibit in LA and I could like totally see, that would have been perfect there. Yeah, <laughs> it would have. Yeah. But dude, so talk to me when you, when you're working with those visionaries and at this point, did you have the idea while you were working on those for flesh and blood? Were you, were you trying to get that together? Yeah. And did those I, directors like, do they influence you, you know, because yeah, like, everybody influences me, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody. I, I think I'm not the, I'm not the filmmaker who has like this, uh, you know, college textbook understanding of like every film era and all the grades. Right. Look at stuff and then try to emulate it or. Well, I, I think that's no. too systematic and that doesn't work. There's no artistry in that, you know, because it's, it, it's not binary filmmaking. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's not. And I, and I, and I, and that's the greatest thing that I've, I've learned with just working so much, like so much of filmmaking is anticipating all the problems you're going to have, you yeah. know, how you're going to show up and you're going to, you know, you've envisioned this thing in your head for five years and the camera's going to go just like this, and this person's going to do this, and it's going to be amazing. And so much of filmmaking for me is you go to do that, and it's not. Yeah. It's not working. And it's not like what you've been thinking. And, but what is it? And what can we do? And that's the, been the greatest thing that I've learned just throughout my career is just seeing how great producers, great filmmakers, great actors are able to pivot 
yeah. and, and know, okay, maybe this is a little bit more interesting that what's happening right now and how can we use that and, and get enough of what we're going for and, and create this other thing that it's quickly becoming, you know, because totally. it is so true for me, man, that like, you know, through filmmaking, a movie is made in three parts. You write it and it's one way. Yeah. And then you go to shoot it and that's one way. And then you get in the editing room and you, you got to reconfigure the whole, yeah, comedy, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? yeah. You to. So I've been influenced by everyone. I'm so influenced by life too, you know, yeah. just conversations and friends and. And it seems like being a father is a, is a really big, I mean, I, it, how could it not be, you yeah. know, like talk to what we're here to talk about the place, no words, like mm -hmm. this film conceptually, like this one, I, I imagine more so than any of the others, you really had to have a really intense pre-production process because of all the, uh, how would you describe the film for those listening? The film, I would describe it as a positive meditation on life and death. Yeah. And as seen through the eyes, predominantly through the eyes of a young child, of a three-year-old. And yes, it was. The great thing is though, I've worked with the same group of people, essentially, on all my films. Same DP, my friend Patrice Cochette has shot all of my films. And so we're at this state now of like telepathy, you know, yeah. we know each other's instincts and our habits and our strengths and our weaknesses so well that we don't have to go through the, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Kind of thing, which can, is such an energy and time suck. Yeah. So I'm greatly benefited by going into by going into this film with these pre-existing relationships in place where there's a deep level of trust and understanding and also people knowing like, okay, like you've proven yourself. Like you can go make a movie with your toddler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. On, on, you know, on paper pitching that to people, it's like, wait, you get, you know, I've done it. Poland just had a big thing for me. Yeah, we, we, can, we can do this. So, well, like, how did I, I don't think this is spoiling. There's kind of like two worlds in this film. There's the the natural world and, and the dream world. And mm -hmm. that is where I imagine just like the planning and the, the effects that you would need to achieve everything that you wanted to achieve. That yeah. had to, like, I think I saw you say at, at the, because at Tribeca, everyone comes up and talks after that. Yeah. You had the, the Muppets people do that? Yeah. That's so, look, Jim, so Jim Henson. There, man, this is so amazing because those films when I was younger, um, The Labyrinth, dude, Sesame Street, you know what I mean? All those things as a kid were, they were my medicine. And I have had this really love and fascination for puppetry. Yeah. And I think it ties into like make believe and being young and kind of playing and dressing up. But as a filmmaker, I also have such a draw towards practical effects and because it's feel, I don't know, it's tangible. No, of course. I, I'm you know, very and, much and the same. There. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had an opportunity. Uh, I had like a moonshot where I, I got the contact of um, uh, Henson's daughter and wrote, who's one of the heads of the, his company now and, and wow. wrote them and said, Hey, I have a really amazing talented makeup artist who's actually worked with you guys before. Is there any way that you take a meeting with me? And they were like, yeah. And I went into Henson Workshop and kind of, you know, pitched them that, hey, we're making this movie for like two, $2 <laughs> and, uh, with my son. Yeah. I know you, you know what I mean? And they're like, 
they saw it. They believed in it. And That's amazing. Yeah, man. And, and so many months later, there, you know, my special effects makeup artist was at the Henson workshop and being able to use their like proprietary like animatronics and, and wow. build them into the, to the creatures. And yeah, it was just a really beautiful cosign, man, you know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, really a, a, a divine synergy, it sounds like. And, yeah. and how did that, you know, cause like I, that's why I applaud you so much is like my, I wish my brain was that creative. It's just, you know, I'm more na- like narratively, but having that kind of otherworldly, I, I wish I could think that way. And mm-hmm. I don't, how did that film from when you wrote it and you had that meeting to filming it then, you know, yeah. as you talked about, it can become a different movie. How mm-hmm. did it, how did it, did it shape the way like from when you saw it on the page and in your head to then filming it? You know, obviously I know there was a lot of special effects that had to be done after, but. Yeah, no, it did. It really maintained itself. I think because my writing of the script was folding in and, and knowing uh, my process and knowing how things are going to evolve. And so, you know, portions of my script offer the framework and suggestions of lines and what I would like to achieve. So, it, you know, the, it's it's almost like a guide. You know, this this writing a script is like this guide where I fold in knowing that whatever's gonna happen spontaneously within the setup of what this moment is supposed to be will be magic because yeah. it's true and it's real. And that is the guiding force and energy through all my films is, is capturing that realness, but also making all the other things that are so staged feel as if they aren't, right? Yeah. And so it, it really, you know, and, and also just spending so much time with Bodhi and writing all these fantasy elements based off of his own imagination. Wow. Uh, so that's, that's where they derive from a lot of them? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So this looking for Freakerika Shikadika and you know, these silly names and things and being a Viking and having a sword and climbing mountains, you know, these are from our, the, the real stories that we, we tell each other. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think the most beautiful thing about your work is like you have this eternal, immortal, you know, documentation of your relationship with your children in these films, Thanks. you know, like yeah, it's so beautiful and poignant and, and it, it's literally immortal. You know, that's, that's what filmmaking is in its mm-hmm. truest form. It's a, it's a shot at immortality and yeah. very few achieve it. And you did. And I'm proud of you, man. You know, I, 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 I don't know you well, but you, you're, you're, you're an artist, man. You've been inspiring me for years and I hope to work with you one day, man. It's yeah, clearly that's, yeah. that'll happen. That's the way that I, that, and that's what I love, man, is like, that's, yeah. that's how this should be. You know, we find each other, you know, yeah. and, you know, you put out the work, you live your life a certain way with integrity and a certain level of respect and love and kindness. And you put out stuff and it creates these ripples Yeah, and touches someone and finds someone and then that ripples back. And, and that's how I love to work, you know, yeah. and, and so many people that I admire and respect it's the same thing. And we, and we find each other and we should encourage each other, you know? Yeah. And that's why it's rad that you're doing what you do where as an actor, you're providing... Yeah, I, like I had Nicole from, who was in your film on the show. She's great. And you, you, you did another movie with her in your friend's film, Clover, John Abrahams, yep. right? Yep. And yep. so also, yeah, just so I can get this, where can people watch the film? 
they can watch it right now. You can pre-order it on iTunes, but on the 23rd, on this, this upcoming Friday, it's all the places you can stream. Okay, great. Not Netflix yet, you know. Yeah. You, you hope you can land a Netflix deal and end up there. Yeah. But it's on, you know, Amazon Prime and, and Apple and uh, Cable On Demand. Amazing. Who's, who's still watch cable TV. And yeah, I think there's, there's, there is a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We got something for it. All the ways you want to stream the movie, you can yeah. stream. Amazing. And what, what, what else is up for you? Like maybe not personal, but like gig wise, do you have any other acting projects that are kind of the- spending the last three years working on writing the, the next one film? Yeah. That like, I want to say everything about, but kicks it's ah. little thing. But like, oh, you're coming back then. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm coming back, bro. Because yeah. like, I guess I will say this: the energy that's been going into what I'm trying to pull off next is like, this could be my last thing. You know, no, it, man. it could be my last movie. But you know, it, it has that where it has that energy behind it in the sense that like. It'll make sense when I. <laughs> I okay. All right. I see. I, I can only imagine where this is. But, going. but it's. I'm uh, I'm very. I've never been more excited about anything that I've ever. Been well, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to hear, and and for those listening, you know, we obviously live in a very crazy time in the world where it's easy to get drowned in and the negativity and pun intended the despair. Yeah. How have you been able to creatively keep yourself aligned and in check during all this chaos? You know. What advice would you have for those listening that are that are really struggling creatively and, and mentally right now? Find the humor in this, in the messy madness of it all. We're all struggling. We all suffer. We all lie. We all hurt people. We all get greedy. We all get overly ambitious. We make mistakes. We virtue signal. Yeah. We try to appear like we're one thing, but inside we're like, oh, will they find out the truth? Yeah. This is a universal experience that we all have. Yeah. And for whatever reason, we as human beings trick each other and ourselves that we're anything other than the same fucking thing, right? This messy, complicated, always changing energy expressing itself trying to find its way trying to find meaning yeah we all are in this in that way forever and no you know and if you're in the industry and you look at well i wish i was so and so or so and so guess what those people wish they were so and so and so and so yeah it doesn't stop and the only way it can is in these temporary moments where we can bring this awareness in, be present and realize, you know what? None of this matters and it all matters at yeah. the same time. And it's yeah. this beautiful paradox that we're just perpetually spinning in. And it's a well to yeah. tap into and extract deep inspiration from. Yeah. And if you're an artist, it's this beautiful pool of energy you can tap into and let it guide you. And, and it will. Wow. That's so beautiful. Man, I love that. Well, final question for you, brother. You yeah. kind of answered it, but you know, what, what's keeping you inspired right now? Well, it's always my kids, first and foremost, you know, yeah. because, you know, children, they, I look at my children, and of course, they're my children, they're my own flesh and blood, but they also represent youth and next generations. Mm-hmm. So 
they inspire me in the sense that I have a set, a, you know, a real strong sense of responsibility of not only for my children being okay, but for other people's children and the yeah. world being okay. And they, as kids, they're just like living moment to moment. They're not really worried about what they did yesterday. And they're certainly not thinking about what they're going to do tomorrow. Yeah. You know, they're just present and trying to have fun. And whenever I start to get caught up in here um, and start to get fearful and worried and afraid and sad, I look at my one-year-old little girl yeah. and he's happy playing with a empty water bottle, yeah. you know, for an hour. Yeah. And that's beautiful and it's presence. And so that presence that they maintain and slowly start to lose over time is so inspiring to me because it's a constant reminder of how I want to be. Yeah. So beautiful. Mark Weber, this was such an honor, man. I, I'd love to have you back anytime. I hope we get to collaborate. You need an actor. You let me know. And no doubt, dude. Dude, I got so much love for you, man. Thank you for coming on and giving back. It means so much to me. Yeah, man. Likewise, bro. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Amazing. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.